to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome everybody, this is Man Up Podcast number 173, hard to believe. This is the No Church Answers Tour, and you're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas, so grab a globe, spin it around, bang! Not really sure where you ended up, so spin it around. Find Texas, southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. We're still in the COVID quarantine. So we are in undisclosed locations around Sugarland. You know, we're not pastors. We're just regular guys. And each of us are on our own spiritual journey. And each of one of you I know are on your own. The great thing about this podcast is this is the kind of stuff that you can't just talk about with anybody. And so this is kind of like a conversation that goes on weekly with us. So whether you found us on Facebook uh, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple, Apple Podcasts, uh, our own website, which is at man-upspiritualoasis.com or pray.com. We're glad that you're joining us. Um, our panel consists of a, he's a world-class policy writer and professional gambler. That's our producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Um, also, uh, an attorney and prosecutor, so uh, he could defend you or throw the book at you. It's Michael Cropper. We call him the judge. He's with us as well. And a corporate trainer for a Fortune 100 co- company and kind of the uh, theologian of the group. Uh, we call him the Professor Robert Koshu. Uh, and my name is Bill Cox. They call me the director because uh, I'm, well, uh, the director. <laughs> so <laughs> what we do, what we do is we basically go through an ABF or a uh, adult Bible fellowship or Sunday school lesson, have a little scripture reading, and we unpeel it like an onion. But what's so unique about this is not only aren't we pastors, but we're each men and different in our own way. And so we try to update it and we try to get, put a man spin on it. And so we do use many different uh, publications for our resources. And this is from Baptist Way Press. I believe this is the, the third lesson that we're doing in this. And it's, it's outstanding. It's a Connect 360. It's called Living in the Spirit, Righteousness, Peace, and Joy. And with that, I'm going to just go around the room and uh, have the fellas not only introduce themselves, but give a brief overview on this particular lesson. And we'll start with our producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Um, We're back at... Jesus' baptism, if you want to go back two episodes, we looked at uh, John the Baptist in Gospel of Mark. Uh, this reading comes out of the, out of the Gospel of John. Um, and I'm going to look forward to hearing what Robert has to say because chapter one of John is Robert, could be Robert's favorite chapter in the whole Bible. He loves to talk about it. Um, so 
but it's a, a revisiting of the baptism. And of course, this is, this is the scene in the Bible, one of the few where the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all appear at the same time. Uh, the, the dove comes down. John does not report the voice. The other, four, the other three Gospels do that the voice of God says, this is my son, I am well pleased. Uh, but we have uh, God the Father, God the Son, and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit all make an appearance in this scene. Excellent. Uh, Michael Cropper. Yeah, Bill. Uh, the, the text we have is from John, as Steve mentioned, and, and while I would normally comment on that, let me say this, this much. The scriptures we're going to look at, and they are very, very vivid, they are powerful, and they are very colorful. And I would, in fact, they're so powerful, as Steve mentioned, one thing I had written down here, uh, they concern John 1 and 1.14 as well, and uh, they have to do with Christ and the creation of the world. And I compare, uh, pardon me, those can be brought into the scripture context that we're dealing with. And I would also compare them. There's so, so much information and so much, so much referencing to God the Father and the Holy Spirit that I would compare it to Genesis, the first six scriptures of creation of the world in Genesis. They are that powerful and they are that packed with information. But real quick, I'm going to go to a couple of things here. We're going to start with John 1 and verse 29. Bill's going to read this in just a few moments. So let me tell you, folks, just a quick run over uh, of the few scriptures that we are not covering here, just so you'll have an idea. And that's about the 20 scriptures before uh, verse 29. And that's simply John 1, verses 6 to 8, introduces us to John the Baptist. And we have talked about him in, in the first lesson we covered in this series. And John the Baptist is to bear witness of Jesus. The next few verses, John 1, 15 through 28, covers points that John is a dynamic preacher. He has been preaching in the wilderness, and many people come and repent of their sin and come to John out in the wilderness. He does not go into the city or the temple. He baptizes many people in the Jordan River, and he becomes so popular, so famous, that the Levites and the priests come and ask him, who are you? Uh, and he tells him, I am not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord and make your path straight. Now, the priests and the Levites again ask him, if you're not the prophet of the Messiah, why are you baptizing? And John said, I baptize with water, but one who is coming, one is coming after me who you do not know and you won't recognize or you do not recognize at this time, and I am not worthy of him, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, guys, something I read in a commentary, and this never struck me before, but the reason the Jews are asking him who he is and why he's baptizing is baptizing for the Jewish people was for proselytes and pagans, if that is correct, the commentary that I read. So the Jews are wondering why he's baptizing their Jewish brothers and the other people who are coming out to him instead of just the pagans and the Gentiles. And, and they want to know why he thinks he has authority to baptize their fellow Jews. 
of course, because they were Abraham's children and God's chosen race. So I thought that was interesting. All right, Bill, back to you. That, that is interesting. Uh, Robert Koshu. So I'm, I, I don't think this is at the baptism. I think this is a couple of weeks after the baptism or at some point Great. after the baptism. And the reason why I say that is because of the first sentence, where, which Bill read in a minute, but it says, G, John points to Jesus and says, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And I, I think the baptism is what we get in Matthew, Luke, and Mark, which, by the way, it's one of the few stories that's actually in all three of, the, of the, what's called the Synoptic Gospels. And then this one, you know, that I've always had a belief that this particular story comes a few days afterwards where John, is, that basically it's skipping it. You, you get the story of John, you get, you skip over to the synoptics, you get the baptism. And then a few days later, Jesus hung around. Remember several of Jesus's earlier, earliest followers were John's followers initially. And so I tend to think this is John affirming what he heard God's voice say at the baptism and then throwing it out to everybody else that, look, here comes the Lamb of God that's going to take away the sin of the world as we look yeah, at it. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of agree with you there. I uh, also want to introduce uh, another member to the, to the panel. Uh, he's an insurance broker and uh, the deacon, uh, Kyle Trahan. And uh, just want to get his basic overview of this particular lesson. When I read this one, it's wow, this one struck me a little different than it ever has. I've read this verse, and it was just a little fleeting thought. And it was, uh, as Mike said, you know, or no, I'm sorry, as Robert said, that. Uh, this is a little time after the dove had come on Jesus and the, the story that I knew from back in the day. We knew that one. That's the big one. And this was a really interesting take um, to see, hey, look, there's that guy I was telling you about. The Lamb of God. Look, there he is. You know, and people's heads are turning because they're sitting around John the Baptist and, you know, listening to him and he's going... There he is, and, you know, I can see him coming down the road, and John just feels him coming down the road, I would imagine. And uh, I can see, you know, maybe olive trees or something blocking the view, and he walks past one. And, oh, look, there he is. Nope, nope, where, where? Everybody's looking, you know, and then finally it would come into view, and then the rest of that interchange would take place, but... It, it just really caught me off guard, and, and I'm extremely intrigued for the rest of the lessons to see where the Spirit takes us, if you will. Excellent, and with that, I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture that we've been referencing. Uh, this is John 1, uh, 29 through 34. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. 
I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I will testify that this is God's chosen one. Steve Titch. Well, I'm, I'm floored in a way because I never thought about this the way Robert just uh, brought up. And yes, it's, John's telling this in the past tense. He, he's, he's, it, the, the scripture says this was a few days later. Uh, it, uh, you know, when it, it sounds like, yes, this, ha this happened. Um, it's in the past tense. It's, uh, John testified. He, he's speaking of the, the, uh, the incident or the, 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 the happening, the event of that baptism. Um, but to, to pick up also on what John is saying, here is, I think John is the only gospel writer who refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God. Um, and it's a phrase that does not appear in the Old Testament the way Son of Man does, the way certainly Messiah does. And John later picks up in Revelation uh, the lamb becomes the symbol for Jesus Christ uh, at the, you know, at the second coming. The, the lamb broke open the seventh seal. Famous, famous verse, the lamb in that is, is Jesus. Um, so, so where I'm going with this is that John isn't in, you know, uh, in the Jordan or on the banks of the Jordan as Jesus approaches and says, Hey, there comes the brightest, smartest teacher who ever walked the earth. Or right, there right. comes there comes a, a, a true righteous rabbi. Uh, he identifies Jesus as the Lamb of God. And to any Jewish person in that, you know, in that crowd or in that group around him would immediately know he's equating Jesus with a with a sacrifice with the Passover lamb and the other literal sacrificial lambs that are talked about in Leviticus for sin offerings and for forgiveness um, that Jesus was going to be some kind of sacrifice and that that is why John thinks this this individual Jesus is so important and he says it right out he takes away the sin of the world. And he uses, he uses some interesting tenses. The takes away in, in Greek is, is a type of tense that, that implies a certain perpetuality. It's always happening. So this, this is the sacrifice is going to take away the sin of the world. Who takes away? It is ongoing. It is, it is a beginning to end type thing. And also, he he uses he doesn't say the sins of the world. Sometimes, sometimes it's the the the, the phrase the, the verse is paraphrased incorrectly. It is it is singular the sin of the world, almost a kind of platonic idea. The the Jesus will heal this this great rendering, this great uh, mistake that 
happened at the fall, that that will be repaired here. He is going to be doing that. That is his mission. So immediately we're getting this identification of Jesus as something more than a really good teacher. He's getting identified as the individual who will do away with earthly and worldly sin and open the avenue for human reunification and human relationship with the, well, I say relationship between humans, relationship between men and women of this earth and God. Excellent. Michael Cropper. Yeah, Bill, I'm looking at, at the text of this. I'm going to go back just a couple of points because I'm still struggling a little bit. We were glad to get out of Daniel. Okay, <laughs> right, guys? We were glad to get out of Daniel. But here, I want to point out a couple of things, and maybe you guys can answer this. When you go to lesson one, you go to lesson, go back to lesson one, and it's about John the Baptist's ministry to prepare our hearts for the Messiah. And uh, the, the, um, the lesson one is all about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the author wants us to know that being baptized in the Holy Spirit means to be immersed in the, in the life of God. But the text is not about that. The text is about John baptizing people to repentance and that he's preparing the way for the Lord. So I'm, I'm still scratching my head a little bit about that one. Then you go to lesson two, and, and, and Jesus cleans the temple. Okay, the, the scripture is at the end of, um, I think, Mark, whatever it was we covered. Here's but Mark Jesus, go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus mm -hmm. goes in and cleans the temple and gets rid of all the terrible people who are selling things in the temple and, and, and uh, polluting it, for lack of a better term, because I guess imagine the animals. That's a um, good term. Right, <laughs> it is a good term. In it, okay, so then we get the idea and we we talked about the lesson extensively by the way it was a great lesson listen to it and one too uh, we get the idea that the author wants us to know that our bodies are the temple of the holy spirit right and our hearts need to be clean to house the holy spirit and we must prepare our hearts to receive the holy spirit by cleaning out any sin and wickedness but uh, the author's points on that too was uh, left me a little bit surprised except he did say God wants his temple to be pure and holy. Now, he did make a comment. He wants us to understand that our individual as temple, our, our, temp, our bodies as temples, he wants to make a house of prayer out of us. Now, the third lesson we're talking about now, um, two makes more sense, but the three, if you go to the name of our third lesson, it's God's approval of Jesus. Okay, then you look at the points of the lesson. And folks, by the way, we're, I'm talking about this because there is a, a structured outline to our lessons we go through. Sometimes we talk about the, the structure the author has for us, or sometimes Mike does, maybe the others don't, but sometimes we do talk about it because they do make points they'd like us to learn from the lesson and the particular text we're looking at today. And the study aim today is to learn that a follower of Jesus will follow him in water baptism and spirit baptism. And the main idea is Jesus can immerse us into the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't see in the text where Jesus is supposed to immerse us into the Holy Spirit. I see that he is the one capable of doing it. I see that God went out of his way to prepare John so that he would introduce and baptize people to prepare for Jesus. And he would introduce Jesus to the people as the one can 
who can immerse, pardon me, baptize us in the Holy Spirit. But I'm, I'm, I'm wondering where in the text, or, or if you guys picked up here, where Jesus is the one and will immerse us in the Holy Spirit. Now, I know we'll cover that in lessons to come, but I do know that the text and what we're talking about now is, <laughs> and I think Stephen Roberts specifically said, Jesus is truly the one who can baptize with the Holy Spirit. And, and I believe we'll cover that in the following lessons. Anyway, that's just some comments. I was, I was looking at the text and, and trying to light some of the titles of the lessons themselves and some of the points your authors make. Well, and this is the No Church Answer Tour, and so that was perfect. And we're going to go ahead and take our first break. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. We will be right back. You're listening to the Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. It's brought to you by Man Up Media. I'm Pastor Chris Busher, and hey, I know these guys. Their podcast is gritty, authentic, and unexpectedly funny. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Facebook under Man Up, and all other podcasts are archived on SoundCloud and now even on Pray.com app. They're not pastors, but they're very reliable, regular guys, and that's why their No Church Answers tour movement is growing so fast. So for The Uncommon Man by Equally Uncommon Men, contact ManUp at www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now back to the podcast and fellows of ManUp. And welcome back, everybody. This is podcast number 173, ManUp Spiritual Oasis. Uh, what we're in is we're in the Baptist Way Press. It's uh, Connect 360. The title of the publication is called Living in the Spirit. We're on lesson three, and this particular lesson is God's approval of Jesus is actually the title of it. And uh, what we've been talking about is... Uh, is about John, and going to go ahead and uh, move over to uh, Robert Koshu. Yeah, so so I I always I love you know it. it Steve's right. John chapter one is absolutely my favorite chapter of the Bible because I love the symbolism. I love the dramatic language. You know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. You know, I love that. You know, and here we see even more of it. They always say now? reading the Bible, you should start with John, isn't it? Yes, yes, absolutely. I am 100% that so in favor times, of that. You know, when I was just being immersed in mm -hmm. starting to learn and read, it was start with John, and it was for those same reasons. So no wonder yeah, you love it like everybody else. From the beginning and moving forward. But, but and, and Steve's right, Lamb of God, this is the only place we see Lamb of God. And we think about it in a very intellectual thoughtful process as far as seeing a sacrificial lamb we all we all have heard the term we know what it means um we probably have participated in it at work <laughs> or in sports where we've thrown the sacrificial lamb to the to the uh wolves you know uh, national treasure is one of my great movies and at the end of it he comes up to the guy and he goes you know, I'd really like to not to go to jail. And the FBI agent looks at Benjamin Gates and says, someone's got to go to jail. And he says, well, if you have a helicopter, I can help you with that. I'm going to go give, give you the other guy to send him to jail, kind of a sacrificial lamb as it was. But for the Jews of, of Jesus of John's day, when John says, here's the lamb of God that's going to take away the sins of the world, 
during the Jordan River, if my geography is memory is correct, it's like 30 to 45 miles from Jerusalem, if that far. And 30 to 45 miles to the east, if I'm also correct. I may be wrong about that. Yeah, it may be yeah downhill. Look at a it's by Jericho. It's, it's, yeah. There's a, and yeah. But, but just not far away, basically, there's a temple where they're slaughtering thousands of sheep every single day. You know, where they're literally grabbing, grabbing the sheep's head, ripping the throat with the knife, and then throwing, taking some of the blood, sprinkling it on the altar, and then throwing the carcass in there to be burned. So when he says that, that's a very vivid image that we can't comprehend or think about even. You know, and if, and if you, one, one thing I would encourage every Christian to do, and, and, and there are multiple resources to do this is, go to a, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it a completed Passover Seder. And what that is, is it's a Seder that's been designed. There's a group called Jews for Jesus that does a really good job with this. And they basically designed the Passover meal and it has a completed Passover with Jesus there. But you go through all the same thing, the bitter herbs, the roasted lamb, the matzah, the juice, the five cups, the finger bowls, everything imaginable. We did it one, one time we did it on a youth retreat, actually. Did a youth retreat over Good Friday and did a Seder while we were there. And, you know, my favorite part was when the, uh, when the teenagers thought it would be fun to take a big old honking helping of horseradish, not the white prepared, but real horseradish, on their, uh, on their broccoli or whatever we were using and took a big bite of it for the bitter herbs. You know, I, I personally thought it was hilarious when the big, big studly 12th grader did it and cried like a baby because <laughs> he didn't know any better. But it's, it's one of those understanding that difference that, that the first century saw that we don't see. Because like I said, we have an intellectual concept of the sacrifice. We don't have a real feeling for what that was. We see two different goes. things. We see, we see a nice little lamb on a greeting card. Yes, exactly. They see, they see exactly what you described. Uh, yeah, a, yeah. A lot, you know, right. a, a blood sacrifice. And, and, and I'm going to make a guess here. May Kyle, but for sure Bill, is probably the only among the five of us that have killed an animal in that manner i'm fairly certain bill has kyle maybe i'm guessing. i have yeah and kyle kyle you hunt but uh we don't there is a certain way that the jews kill a, a ritualistic yes. way uh yes. that they do with a knife we uh, we're, we're pig farmers from Michigan. We, you know, Protestants, so, no. We've killed animals, killed, killed a bunch of animals, but uh, not like that, you know. So. Yeah, that, that's a total different, you know, it's, it, it's not like you said, it's not put a gun to the head, bang, and they just fall down. You grab right. the head and you slit the throat, literally. It's right, right. It's a, it's a different concept. Yeah. yeah. Kyle Trahan. Um, well, I know not everybody is seeing us, of course, but I see we all got the uh, orange, uh, except for a couple. We got three of us on the screen, all in orange, um, which is quite funny. Hey, go Astros, right? That, that's a sign from God. 
Right. <laughs> Finds burnt orange, and I'm not promoting the Astros. So, you know, they, they got uh, my heart before, uh, before I'll bother with that. And um, I'm off most major sports anyway, and I was never a big fan. So, you know, um, a, a couple of things you know, really slightly rabbit trailish. Uh, Robert, that National Treasure movie you mentioned. Mm hmm. That's the Nicholas Cage thing, the Declaration of Independence. That is correct. That's the exact one I'm referencing. Would you believe my appointment today had that movie playing in the background? That's hilarious. <laughs> I that, that was That's, like, I there think you go, that's another movie. sign from God. So, <laughs> uh, just, uh, just strange. And you know, honestly, I, I am just a, a, a journey with you guys, a journeyer with you guys, and I, I appreciate all of y'all's y'all's knowledge. Um, even if we don't ever get it uh, in the feedback, I'm going to give it here because, you know, it, it's been a, a journey to hear um, this this one, how many verses? Five. Five verses just kind of torn apart and laid out in a different fashion than I've ever seen it. And we have historian and we got a little of this and a little of that and uh, a little geography there from Steve of knowing exactly how far these things occurred from each other. And um, I, I hope the listeners really do hear the things that I do because um, I'm honored just to be around you guys. So I'll defer mine to the next. Yeah. yeah hey, uh, very good. Uh, you know, I wanted to just go ahead in uh, a different kind of rabbit hole. Um, the vast majority of people, I mean, obviously that each of us are on our own spiritual journey. And those of you out there that are listening are probably on it too. And like I've shared uh, many times before, never really had a eureka moment, just always was a believer. You don't really understand how much you have until you actually lose it, whether you lose it <clears throat> temporarily, momentarily, or permanently. And um, back in the day, just <clears throat> just this reading the story, just uh, as I went through not only the text, but the commentary, just kind of reminded me of this. <clears throat> back when I was a, I was a DJ MC uh, for quite a few years, I actually did a pagan wedding ceremony. Oh. And... <clears throat> I actually I had to MC the ceremony because they had they didn't have a, obviously a you know a pastor up front or anything but they had different stations and I read the script as if it was an act as we had the handmaid and we had the elements and this so I'm reading it as if it's it's a play okay I didn't happen to notice that the bride, who was the uh, an elder in the pagan group, um, she apparently was furious about this. And when I left, I had this uneasy feeling as if my spirituality had literally been sucked out of me. And so I... First thing I did is I washed my hands so I could, I, I, I cleansed myself physically to kind of cleanse myself spiritually. When I left, three things happened. 
I had a car, uh, a black car, just about uh, take the front end of my vehicle off as I left the hotel. The next day, I was in a head-on collision in my vehicle. And the third day after that, and I hadn't even been outside, I got severe poison ivy on the side of my face. And the reason why I tell that story is a lot of us spiritually walk around just lukewarm, okay? And I mean, I'll say that for myself. And But you don't realize it until you're in an area that takes it away from you. You don't realize what you have. And it happened to me and it gave me so much more value. And like we say many times, <clears throat> spirit, faith muscle is a muscle and you need to exercise it on a regular basis. And after that moment, I felt the need to exercise it. I felt that I needed it. So I just wanted to kind of bring that story in because I know not not everybody is, especially in this time of COVID and quarantine, we are running into things that we probably never expected to run into. I never expected to run into that either. And I'll never forget it. So I'm going to go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Okay. Well, if you want to go ahead and take a break or anything? All right. I was going to comment on it. I had sort of the same experience. Do you want me to do that now? Or yeah, go ahead. Here? Okay. Uh, I went to Israel back in, uh, I guess, 84. I want to say 84. And we went on a tour. Uh, my then wife and, uh, and my son stayed here with the grandparents. But uh, we went through Jordan and we went through Iran, Syria. And, and Egypt, and when I was in Egypt, I, I, I know you guys are all familiar with Egypt. They, they worshiped the dead. They have pyramids and such. And when I was in Jordan and when I was in Egypt especially, I felt cold, literally dark, just like you said. I mean, there was nothing there. It was, we were so blessed and so spiritually blessed in this country because the Holy Spirit is still here. I mean, I, I absolutely believe that. And when when we were in Jordan and uh, and we went through Egypt, I did, I felt cold. I felt dark. The moment we hit the border going into Israel, everything lit up. I mean, just it was like going between nighttime into daytime when we went into Israel. And the whole time we were in Israel, it was like light and the difference between light and darkness. And it was spiritual. It wasn't, you know, literally seeing. Right. It was spiritual. I could sense the presence. And guys, you know, we've often talked so far about sensing the presence of God. And in fact, our book is all about the Holy Spirit. And there are some places I firmly believe the Holy Spirit is. And I believe they're with Israel, even if all the people, a lot of the people are still Jewish, but they still believe in God. And they still love the Lord. They just need to know the Messiah. I believe that the Holy Spirit is there. But anyway, I had that experience, Bill. When you brought that up, that's there, there that are, came to my mind. Excellent. I think there are places where the Holy Spirit is not invited. 
I mean, we, we read about how well, that's a good we way should of be saying open, yeah. we that, should that's be open really to the spirit. <clears throat> and, yeah. and, and you guys gave two, two, good, two good experiences. And I, I have another one myself. But the idea is, is uh, you go, I've been, to, I've been to other, you know, other Catholic and Christian services, and I've been to Jewish services. I have to say, I have not been to a, a Muslim service, but I, I feel God is there. In those, I mean, there's a there's a there's a presence. Um, I I was to a a funeral. It was a it was a memorial service. It wasn't out out funeral. It was a memorial service. It was not in a Christian church. Uh, the the mourners, the family of the deceased, were atheists, and it was mm. it it what bothered me. It's all the trappings. You almost see this desire to believe in something, you know, beyond themselves or beyond the physical. And it was, it was in a way depressing because nothing really was, there was no point, you know, there, there, there were songs, there, there were a couple of folk songs, really, uh, a couple of, you know, some, some eulogies. And then, and then I, and I don't, I, I'm, I'm probably going to get into trouble is the nonsense started. A woman stood up and prayed to the planet earth. Somebody, you know, right. they started praying to God's creation, which, I mean, I, I, I don't even find it blasphemous. I find it sad. I, 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 I mean, that's, and, and I really, that, I, I just walked out of that service feeling more sad for the people, and I could see the depression over people. There's no hope. You know, it was, oh, this person Led a, led a great life. Now she's gone. Wasn't that a great life? And you no, know, you know, it's over. And, and actually that was reinforced. Somebody stood up and said, it's very nice, but she's gone. And like, right. no one, and, and it was a very, you know, wakes are suffer. Royal services are somber. I'm not going to deny that. This was out and out depressing. I needed, I, 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 and just like you, the next day, this was, I think, on a Saturday, I had to find a church that Sunday morning to just get some Christian fellowship. Because, and it's sad. Guys, guys, it's not. I don't want to gloat. It's sad. It's, and, and it's a place where the Holy Spirit isn't invited. Um, and, and, and yeah, and, and you don't invite him, he won't show up. That's, that's a very realistic aspect of things. Yes, and with that, we're going to go ahead and we have our, uh, our, our last break. And this is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. We will be right back. You are listening to the Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. Originating out of Sugarland, Houston, Texas, USA, it's the faith-based man podcast that women enjoy too. Called authentic, timely, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been encouraging and entertaining audiences since 2016 and continues to be one of the fastest-growing shows in its segment. Want to book a speaker, show, or post a comment? Go to Man Up on Facebook or our website, www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now, back to the No Church Answers Tour and the Fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is Man Up, podcast number 173. Uh, we are in Living in the Spirit, and we're talking about basically uh, a, a rabbit hole that I brought up about... Uh, 
and and both Mike and, and Steve talked about uh, not being in places where there is a absence of the Holy Spirit. And like Steve just said before the break, how absolutely uh, depressing it is. And in a way, it kind of reminds me of golf, how <laughs> about how, right. how Christians, they put past the cup. It's not just the cup, but it's past the cup. Why? So, and, and <laughs> whereas the other, like what, what Steve was talking about, just it reminded me so much of animals. A dead animal is really not that much physically different from an alive animal. The blood isn't flowing, okay? But the actual size is the same, the coat hair is the same, everything's the same. But not only is the heart not beating, but the animal itself, there is no aura, no spirit about it. There's nothing it. to it. There's exactly, there's the physical, there's the physical weight of it and size, but there is no energy emitting from that. And that's what I feel the differences are of a person of faith and the people that are not of faith. And those people <clears throat> reject God. God is there for them, but they go out of their way to reject the spirit. That's kind of uh, the way I feel and want to uh, get Professor Koshu in on that. Yeah, so you're right. And, and my wife does a lot of cat rescue. And so I've had to deal with multiple dead cats over the past several years because not all kittens live. It's kind of sad, but it's the truth. Um, but yeah, you're right, Bill. And, and, and Mike, you're not the only one I've heard say that. I've heard that said by multiple, multiple people who visited the Holy Land that when they go from Israel to one of the surrounding countries and then back in, they can just literally feel a difference to it. And, and it's one of those, like you said, Steve, you know, I, in today's world, we're exposed and around a lot of other face for lack of a better term anymore. It, it used to be, you know, the oddballs were the Christians and then the occasional Jews, and then you had the um, occasional Jehovah's Witness. You know, now it's, we're kind of the minority, the evangelical Christians. You've got your Catholics, which are still a pretty big group, and then your smattering of everything else, and it's not a token Jew and a token Jehovah's Witness, it's a Jew, a Jehovah's Witness, a Muslim, a Buddhist, an atheist, an agnostic. And you're right. And, and, and the problem I have with most of them is what I've noticed is they have no, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit. They have, they might have morals, 
per se or ethics, but they don't have a moral center or an ethical center about them. They, they, they make it up as they go along. And as men, making it up as you go along in that arena can be very, very devastating as a man. That's, that's where yeah. we are now yeah. in the 21st century. No, yeah. it, it, it's all nihilism, where we because, were several yeah, because, lessons Because ago. what, I mean, and the, the irony is, is that there is a, a general consensus that certainly Judeo-Christian ethics is the right way to do it. I mean, you know, look at Mike, the law. <laughs> look at the U.S. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you sure. you really can't. But but to to get what you're saying, what Jesus claimed, Jesus said he was God. That that puts a whole stamp on of authority on his teachings. Um, but that 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 puts okay. that that's a whole new ball game because then you're not down to saying, well, you know, this is this is understanding and knowing God. He he is telling you what God's law, what God's rule is, how God sees sees the world, and it's a very and and if you go deep in, if you really appreciate the Gospels, you should be very alarmed by it. everyone like us should be pretty much alarmed because it's clearly the disenfranchised. The, the poor, the, the minorities, the stranger are favored in heaven over the comfortable. But this isn't just a God, this isn't just a, a wise man, a wise teacher saying this, that you can weigh it because we can go, if, if we want to do it that, I can, I can pull out my copy of Nietzsche and basically say, hey, you know, it's the strongest guy. Why? Or my copy of Ayn Rand which basically says, hey, there's no right. God. We all, we all, it's, it's really all about myself and this enlightened self-interest. I'm not, I was pretty much into Rand in my college days, but yet you say, okay, one's as good as another. Um, yeah, you, you, you find <laughs> and, your and, ethic and you determine that whatever I say is what, what's right. And then we can have all kinds of wildness because then it becomes who the strongest makes the law. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, Mike? Strongest, yep. The strongest group makes the law. There is nothing else. And without that standard, Mike, help me, I'm blanking here for a moment. Is it moral law? Is that the, the underpinning, the term that's used for the underpinning of law? Equitable? Equitable? Equitable. Thank or you. Common, or common law. Yeah, common law. Base, yeah, very, the, very similar. Very yeah, similar. the basis that, that basically that there is this inherent set of right and wrong out there. Mm -hmm. And unless you have God at the center of that, then you can't. The other thing that I think is interesting when you, you look at this passage is, and, and it's, it's not in this one, it's in the, some of the other passages around John, where John is talking about where I must increase, or he must increase and I must decrease. And I think that's where a lot of us as Christians and a lot of us as leaders can get in real trouble because it's not all about us. It's all about our, it's all about what we do for other people. And, and the, the Men Matter interview that's coming up later this week, the full interview, you, you might've heard in the snippet that we did, that we played last week, Bobby, Bobby quoted a TV show, but it was about firemen. And he said, I'm allergic to poor leadership, you know, and poor leadership puts itself first, not, the actual 
group you're trying to lead first. You know, and, and I worked for a boss at one point, and that boss, when he would get up, he would, inter, he would, we would have all the managers come in and they'd introduce themselves to our new hire class. And at the end of it, the VP would stand up and say, and I had the best job forever because I worked for every one of them and you, because he knew without that team behind him, he had nothing. And his job was to lead them and lead them to make those decisions. And I think that is probably one of the most Christian things we do as men and as leaders is that recognition that we have the capability to show others the way and that it's not really all about us, but it's really all about them and about leading them to Christ and having them see that. Kind of reminds me of when I was in the Navy uh, it was uh, called extreme ownership. Anything that happened to you was your fault. Anything that happened to other people that were under you was, was also fault. your fault. <laughs> and, 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 and the thing about it is, is, and as men, as leaders of our families, our jobs and our community, uh, <laughs> we have to take extreme ownership in that uh, and, and make it, make it our responsibility. So and with that, we're going to go ahead and go around the uh, room one more time and get some, uh, some final takeaways from the fellas and start with uh, Mr. Steve Titch. Well, I, I, it is true. Kind of what I think both Mike and Kyle said, this lesson, kind of skirts around the idea of being immersed in the Holy Spirit. It is about that. Uh, it is a, a bit about uh, Christ's identity too. But I think it's, and as we go on, I think it's still about being open to the Spirit. Uh, certainly, um, John the Baptist witnessed something there with Jesus. Uh, always invite the Spirit in. Try to. <laughs> I mean, it, when the spirit's not around, it's pretty dull. I mean, it's it's pretty depressing times as it is. Um, you know, it really just the presence of the spirit, at the very least, even like Psalm forty-six, be still and know that I am God. You know, relax. Excellent. Uh, some takeaways from you, Michael Cropper. Yeah, Bill. I'm looking at a. Uh, uh, some references the, the author again makes to us, and uh, I do want to say this, uh, in the three lessons we've covered so far that we've talked, the author's told us that it's important to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's important to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and it's important to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. And just like Steve said, we haven't really got a clear direction on how to do any of these, but we're supposed to do it. So I'm going to read a couple paragraphs here and hope this doesn't muddle, muddle the water further, but I'm hoping we're going <laughs> to cover these in the next few lessons. Uh, the, the author says, a believer can be encompassed, surrounded by, and enveloped by the Holy Spirit like a sponge in the ocean. And later, uh, Jesus then promised to send the Holy Spirit to his followers, which we will cover, I think, in the next lesson, at least part of it. And he refers to that in John 14, 16 through 17. He also, Jesus also felt, fulfilled that promise on the day of Pentecost, which is in Acts, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and empowered them. Now, those for those of us and those of you who surrender to Christ, 
he will come in to live in us through the Holy Spirit who comes to dwell in us. Now, it's interesting because, we, again, we've talked about both the Holy Spirit and Christ. And I've said, Jesus lives in my heart. And then I've also said, the Holy Spirit lives in me. So are they both living in me or am I not sure which is one, which one is which? But I do know that Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead us to Christ. He will lead us and point us to Jesus who is in heaven and to the Heavenly Father. So it may be that it is a Holy Spirit that's living in our hearts, but we were taught raised, when we we're being raised in church and everything that uh, Jesus will come to live in our heart if we accept him as Savior. Okay, now last paragraph, just a couple lines. It's important to distinguish, once again, what I just mentioned to you between the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being filled by the Holy Spirit. Every believer receives the Holy Spirit when he comes to live in them. However, being filled with the Spirit is an ongoing process. The Apostle Paul challenges the church in Ephesus to be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. So living in God's power and by his strength is a daily pursuit, which I believe Steve just mentioned that and alluded that. We seek more and more of the Spirit's presence and direction in our lives. It is a continuing process. It is an ongoing process. And each day as men, we should ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and, of course, Christ to live in us as well. Okay, Bill, thank you. Excellent. Uh, Kyle Trahan, some final takeaways from you. Why do you always throw me behind some good stuff like that? You know, you're know. supposed to put me in front. I set the bar low. These guys come in and wrap it up really nicely. It's a great package, you know. Um, yeah, but I knew you'd be brief. <laughs> ah, maybe that was it. All right. Um, no, um, be yourself, do your thing. Let the spirit try and guide you. And when you feel off kilter, go back there. Because at the moment, I'm a little off kilter. So uh, that's where I'm going to go, is back to the spirit. Excellent. Professor Koshu, take away. Once again, don't let Kyle's all shucks routine uh, throw you for a, for a loop. Um, he, he's totally right. And, and that's really where we need to go back to, is to go back to the Spirit, as Steve and I were talking earlier. You know, there's some grounding there. There's some peace there. There's, you know, you know I was sharing with the guys before the podcast started, had a, had a recent little fun health incident. And there was some peace that, you know, no matter what, yeah, okay, you know, it is not all that no matter what you think is going on. And I think that's the hope that we have. And I think that's the hope that we're called to share is that hope in Christ of living in the spirit. And I think that is really what this lesson and the rest of them are really all about. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to plug the full interview be, again, before you go, Steve, that was a, that turned out to be one of – that was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be, and it's mainly because of who Bobby is and where Bobby came from. And I'll, I'll give the listeners a little tease. So Bobby and I met when the church I was attending at the time hired him while he was in college to be our youth minister, and I was the old guy that taught youth <laughs> with him for a while. And so – you know, it, it is a fantastic, it's a great interview. He has great things to say. 
And if you know a first responder in your life, I will tell you to get them in touch with Bobby because they really need to be affiliated with him and the ministries that he does. Excellent. And with that, thank you so much. Uh, my name is Bill Cox and want to encourage each and every one of you as we open up and we're getting close to opening up and, and like Kyle said, getting back into uh, the man of studio so we can <clears throat> do our podcast back the way we used to do it seven months ago. And if you haven't had the opportunity to attend church and you like a traditional Baptist Bible based church, you can go to SLBC, which stands for Sugarland Baptist Church.org, and stream us online starting at 9:45. And when churches do open in your area, we encourage you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go. Go participate. Get into a small group setting, kind of like what we have here, <clears throat> and find one that is man-only small group. And if there isn't one, start one. So on behalf of our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, the judge, Michael Cropper, Professor Robert Koshu, Deacon Kyle Trahan, my name's Bill Cox. This has been Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man Dash Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.